And now he is the go-ahead run at the plate. He swings away! with 20 homers and 20 stolen bases in each of his first two major league seasons. Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 129 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. Or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. A lot has happened in the weeks since our last episode that was titled And We're Back, ironically, it turns <laughs> out. And what better place to start... We missed the trade deadline because the last episode was recorded right before it. So why don't we just start right there? I mean, well, I think first we should go piece by piece through the Yankees trade deadline. I'm going to break that down. They traded for Kenyon Middleton and another reliever. And then that was it. And it worked. Yes. No season saved. It, uh, yeah. The Mets made some moves at the trade deadline, though. Um, well, riddle me this. What does Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Mark Hanna, David Robertson and Tommy Pham have in common. They were all members of the 2023 Mets. Well, this is less fun than I thought it would be. Yeah, so they all got <laughs> traded. Uh, um, I'll say this, man. So, like, Steve Cohen did that press conference prior to the trade deadline, kind of setting us up for what happened in a lot of ways. Kind of like, listen, he, he mentioned specifically that he viewed the big contracts like Verlander and Scherzer as sunk costs because he's a businessman. And in this case, that's good for us. And that he would be willing to eat that money if it was good for the team. And at the time, it was kind of like, oh, you know, this is just big talk to light a fire or the team, whatever. Well, no fire was ever lit, and it came down to the trade deadline. And who was the first one to go? I think it was, um, it might have been Robertson, I think was the mm -hmm. first move. And that was kind of like the signal fire for like, oh, shit, it's happening. And they did. You know, and one thing that I really liked that he said in that press conference that played out here is he said, hope is not a strategy. And it's not. You know what I mean? You could have stuck with like, oh, you know, on paper, the Mets are good. You know, most expensive payroll, yada, 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 all this shit. But you know what? For whatever reason, it wasn't working. So tear it down. Get the prospects. Try again. Well, maybe next year. Definitely in 2025. <laughs> um, but no, and it's almost like as a fan, yeah, you never like to see your team fucking tear it down and let shit. But I think it was the best choice under the circumstances. Like, it's hard to be mad at as much as it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we're punting the rest of the season. But... Would I rather have the rest of the season punted and lose a bunch of games that aren't going to bother me or just continue losing when we should be, you know, like... Exactly. I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy with what went down. That's why they signed, or he signed them to those deals, that they were really high AAV, sure, yeah. but short they term. were short, so yep. they're tradable. So even if the season went better than it did, they can get rid of them at the end of the season or just not much of a commitment to these guys, right. but also make it so other teams would be willing to take them on a trade, which is what ended up happening. And what better situation for the Mets than the AL West race that's going on still? And they played that to their advantage. I mean, one went to the Rangers and one went to the fucking Astros. Right. 
So it worked out perfectly for everyone involved. It, it, it really did. And it's, I mean, the one disingenuous part, and we should have seen this coming, is how the media is treating this. Because they did all the reporting on like, okay, you know, the Mets, the Mets have made this decision. Like, you know, we're not playing for this year anymore. And then the headlines almost immediately after, they're like, how is this team so bad? What happened to the 2023 Mets? It's like, you told us what happened to the 2023 Mets. Yeah, yeah, you're the one who reported it. And people acting like, oh, you know, what? they spent all that money for what? Like, well, they spent all that money because they had to. They don't have a core of young players that they were able to promote and develop because the Wilpons owned the team for fucking 20 years. And they never did anything like this. So they were always too good to ever be in the bottom six and win percentage and get a good draft pick. Right. But not good enough to actually make it to the postseason and have an enjoyable experience for their fans stuck more in no than random land. years. Yeah. So they don't have anybody. They have Pete Alonso. They're lucky to have fucking Pete Alonso. They are. And you know, I mean, I think what we're kind of seeing playing out here is you remember when Steve Cohen bought the team, he kind he said, I want to win a World Series within five years. I think we're kind of seeing it play out how from where the Mets were at the time that he bought them, how unrealistic that is. There was so much organizational rot and crap that needed to get cleared out, and we're still in that process. They're even just saying the Mets just, um, they got rid of, the, this is, the funny phrasing was like, they got rid of the, one of their like physical therapy rooms because like wasn't doing any good. They set up a pitching lab. So they're trying to, they're making these moves to move into the 21st century and be a 21st century modern organization. And that takes time. I know fans don't want to hear that. Like, you know, we all want it now. We got the richest owner. Why isn't this working right away? Because we were in really bad shape with the Wilpons. So you know what? This is a process. And we're going through the process. And frankly, I'm I'm on board. And it's almost like a second wave of excitement. Like, it was exciting when Steve Cohen bought the team. Last year was great. All these expectations for this year. Kind of a letdown. Well, not kind of. A letdown. Right. But now it's like, you know what? There's a sense of excitement again. It's like we made the smart move. We got these guys, you know, whether they come up to the big leagues as Mets or, you know, we get them for other needs, whatever. We have some capital now. And that's huge. You know, for a farm system that was a fucking ghost town. I'm happy, man. And, you know, it's a place where, like, now in this point in the season, you're kind of, you don't like losing. But, like, when they do, it's kind of like, well, you know, this this was the decision they made. And go figure, the Mets are 7-2 and two in their last nine games. They're going on a little run here. They're giving themselves an opportunity to do something very funny. They probably won't. They almost definitely won't. But can you imagine if they did? That would be fucking amazing. <laughs> they make the playoffs. <laughs> There's six and a half games out of a wild card spot right now, which is three games more than the Yankees. Um, so they're... <laughs> I can't even believe that, that the Yankees are still within fucking less than 10 games. That's amazing to me. It's, but yeah, but, um, but yeah, you know, so now we're seeing new faces like DJ Stewart, who hit five home runs in his last six games. No argument here. Rafael Ortega, Jonathan Arrows, no Ronnie Mauricio still. That's the big question mark, but I guess they just don't think he's ready. I, I don't know what else to think about that because it's kind of like this would be the time you'd bring him up, right? Or they don't want to start his clock yet. You know, like yeah, there's other be. factors that come into it. You know For what I sure. mean? Oh, yeah. Service time manipulation, all that. Yeah. I wish that I could feel as optimistic about the Yankees, to be honest. Mm. Like, and it's not even because the Yankees are one of those frustrating teams. Well, no, actually, I shouldn't say frustrating. That is not the right word because there are no teams like the Yankees in terms of constantly being in a cycle of like being in it. Right. They're always in the hunt. Even the years where they were really bad for the Yankees, they were still worth watching to a certain extent because they were still winning games. Right. This year, obviously, has been fucking horrible. A lot of things went wrong. A lot of decisions in the offseason that I people didn't agree with, whatever. Just things didn't work out. 
They didn't sell off at the trade deadline, which if we're going to be real, who could they have possibly moved at the deadline for anybody? Right. You know what I mean? Like Fam was having a great year. Like the guys that the Mets moved were going to be able to contribute on a major league club right now for teams that are right. trying to make something happen. The reason that the Yankees are in the situation they are is because they don't have anybody like that beyond their players that are on these massive contracts right, yeah, that you can't trade. You're not going to get rid of Judge. You're not going to get rid of Cole, right? And you can, even if you were you trying can. to. You can, unless you're trading them for a bag of balls like Stalin Castro. Won't. Right. <laughs> so I, I wasn't as fr- I was more frustrated because knowing that they are not going to sell off. I was hoping they were going to try to salvage this year, but now that I'm a few weeks removed, I've accepted the fate of the 2023 Yankees, where at that point, I was not at that point yet. You know what I mean? Have they accepted it, though? They must have, because now they've called up to today, actually. They called up Oswald Peraza, who'd been up and down. They kind of mismanaged yeah, he was him up this at year. some point this year, right? Yes. Yeah. But they called up Everson Pereira, who's making his Major League debut tonight. Uh, high prospect for the Yankees, an outfielder, which, of course, has been a, a big question mark for the Yankees. They haven't had a real left fielder since basically right. Brett Gardner. And it's kind of... This is like the Yankees moment like in 2016 when A-Rod retired in August. The very next day, they called up Judge and they called up Tyler Austin and they brought up Gary Sanchez and that was like ushering in the new era yeah, of the Baby Bombers. The guard, right. Yeah, and it was really exciting. And even though the 2016 team, they finished with like, you know, 87 wins or something. They didn't do shit. It was hope for the next year and the future. So this has really reinvigorated a lot of Yankee fans and understandably so. I mean, it's way better than watching a bunch of fucking nobodies that are just going to be released at the end of the year. Right. You know, they got rid of McKinney or put him on the IL, got rid of this one to make room. So what's really strange, though, is there's a lot of revisionist history going on in terms of, like, the Yankees' last baby bomber situation. People are acting like as if it was a total bust and, and you know, the, the Yankees fucked this up, fucked that up. And granted, there are a lot of situations, we're not going to get into all of them right now, where the Yankees could have sign this person or they could have done that and they didn't right but those baby bombers they went to like three alcs's and and some of them didn't work out and and sure can we blame bad draft picks of course because i'm sure there's draft picks from those same years that have worked out on other teams right sure but sports and especially baseball are one of those things where like you can play fucking hindsight bias all day. You could say, okay, now that I know that this didn't work out the way I wanted oh, yeah. to. This was a bad move. This was a good move. It's like, right. They came within a game or two of the fucking World Series twice in that time frame. And listen, I'm not trying to make excuses for the Yankees or for Cashman. There's a lot that they have fucked up and a lot of misappropriation of funds and especially a lot of weird trades that he's done that I don't think that he should be particularly safe. Like, oh, you can't fire Cashman. Like, I'm oh, not right. even, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even on that train. Not that I'm on the other side because who the fuck do you hire in his place? But something has to happen. Obviously, it can't continue like this because the last crop of prospects brought us here for better or for worse. Right. So what? I don't know what the answer is. I really don't because they have a bunch of guys that are really old. They have some bad contracts. How do we think that this is going to work out in next year, the year after? Mm-hmm. We're really just going to hope that these guys are the truth and hope that they're better than the last crop? You know, I don't mean to, well, no, I totally mean to quote Steve Cohen, but hope is not a strategy, M. And <laughs> part of me is even like, I, I do fucking hope they are. Yeah. Because even though it didn't fall the Yankees' way, and I know the whole, oh, the, anything besides a World Series championship is, is a failure. And, right, and right. I get that whole, that yeah, whole bullshit yeah. 
that we've been fed for all of these years. Those teams made it to the fucking two ALCSs in like a very short span when they weren't supposed to do anything. So I can only hope that Volpe and Peraza and Pereira are able to do that in the next year or two. Because if they're not, then this is going to be a total bust for the next fucking five, six, seven years. This is it. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I can't. I don't get as fucking hot and, and excited about the prospects and calling up the kids as a lot of other people do, probably because I'm still fucking pissed off that they don't sign major league ready players in free agency. Right. But again, I th- and you touched on this previously this week when we were talking, it's like, it's also, it's something in an otherwise bleak season, anything for the fans to get excited about. Right. You know, it's like, Hey, here it's, it's not even the players themselves. They just represent possibility hope, you know, like maybe one day, you know, Hey, here's this kid. He could be good. You know what I mean? Anything, any bright spot to latch on to in a season like this, you know, like me, for example, I latch on to how much people hate Pete Alonzo. Like when so he weird. throws a ball into the stands without thinking and then suddenly he's a bad guy. It was who was that on the Cardinals? I forgot to write the kid's name, name down because I don't care because I don't like the Cardinals. It was his debut. Or it was some his shit. debut. So, yeah, so I don't have an obligation to know who he is. Um, but, yeah, no. So it was the kid's first hit. OK, Pete gets it and he launches the ball into the stands and right off the bat everyone's like oh you know he's doing this on purpose like you know fuck which is so weird it's like you really think that these major league players are paying attention to details like that it's like oh okay guys this is his first major league at bat if he gets it if he gets a hit here make sure you throw to the dugout like get the fuck out of here man. people were like everyone in the stadium was standing they're not fucking they're not watching around them. yeah who yeah. cares pete's standing there playing first base playing in the infield a position where he could literally fucking get killed if he's not paying attention to the play in front of him, he's looking around the stadium being like, wow, hmm, everyone's on their feet. Why do I think that is? Let me go through the ways. Like, what the fuck? Are they cheering for me? And it's just such a weird thing. Like, sure, is it odd for an infielder on like a dead ball to throw the ball into the stands? Sure, but we're going to now say that that implies that there was like malicious intent and he's Mm. like saying, fuck you. Why would he do that? People just latch on to hating this guy for some reason, and I don't understand it. Even, like, Pete then apparently was a good guy and, like, gave the kid a bottle of tequila and, like, he wrote him, like, an apology note on a bat and signed it and gave it to him. And, of course, that got reported on as Pete Alonzo gives autographed bat. I mean, like, oh, he wants a Pete Alonzo autograph? Like, it was yeah. a note, man, on a bat. Well, And not alone that, even if it was just an autograph, it's like, yeah. That, that's a memento. If anything, that's more shit to remember your first hit by. <laughs> and he got the ball back, by and, the way. And, and let's not forget, yeah, he got the stupid ball back. So what are we even talking about? People, I, you know what? And maybe it's it's not their fault. There's like MLB and baseball can be such a dry sport that they want to just project any sort of like WWE right. type shit on every situation. And what better than that moment? Well, and that's what I asked you yesterday. I was like, name one other thing that happened in that game. I don't even remember if they won or lost. <laughs> like, we couldn't even that. tell you that player's yeah. name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know what, Pete? Pete actually did this fucking guy a favor because what's most likely is this guy's not going to amount to jack squat. This is going to be like the most memorable right. moment of his fucking career. Is this like the uh, like the Galarraga non-perfect game? It's like this is more <laughs> memorable than if it had actually happened yes. normally. <laughs> And it's really funny that people say that, too. And it's like, I guess it's more memorable. Or is it just memorable along with the other ones? It's just the one that we talk about. Is that just like Jim Joyce's PR team? (laughs) It's like, no, no, it was a good thing. I did him a favor. (laughs) Dude, an umpire hiring a fucking whole PR team. (laughs) 
the Yankees have obviously been on the fucking hot seat in the media, you know, with everything that's going on. And and people are, are instantly, of course, blaming analytics, saying the Yankees use too much analytics or whatever that means. And there's been a lot of people trying to really jump on that bandwagon. Right. Because Yankees are one of the largest fan bases. Clickbait for the Yankees is fucking very oh, lucrative, I imagine. Sure, I mean, we have this podcast, right? We're trying to bank in on that. Right, yeah. <laughs> what, you think we're catering to Mets fans? <laughs> Rage clicks. I'm basically like the court jester here. The like court jester. <laughs> this isn't serious. I know. When things are like working out for the Mets, I'm like, God fucking <laughs> right, damn it. Yeah. I really had to start a podcast like months before Cohen bought this team, didn't I? <laughs> A bunch of people are, are jumping in and trying to cash in on the rage clicks for Yankee fans. And one in particular, there is a show, uh, I forget, it's called Foul Territory. I forget like what podcast network it's on. They are the ones who have famously platformed uh, that one guy who called Francisco Lindor a bad teammate and said that he wasn't a leader. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Cleveland. And also when they had Doug Menkowitz on, who was inexplicably saying that A-Rod is a bad dad because he doesn't hang out with his friends from high school anymore. Very weird stuff. <laughs> so they were talking about the Yankees the other day, and there was a former minor leaguer in their chat for their live show. And it was a guy named Ben Ruda. Uh, he was in the Yankee system for about four years, not consecutive. I think he had a year out and then came back for one last year. Never made it to the majors for any team. He was basically trying to say that the Yankees, their analytic approach is, you know, they don't teach baseball at the lower level. They don't do this. They don't do that. They're only looking for one type of player. And his example, he said that when he was in double A, they played a, a drill. They had a drill in practice, played a game called Hitters vs. Pitchers. A.K.A. Baseball. Right, that is such a funny name for that drill. We're not, don't think of this as baseball, okay? Think of this as simply Hitters vs. Pitchers. So they do this drill, and the goal of the drill, the only way to score runs was to either walk or hit a ball 95-plus miles an hour. This was his mic drop moment in this conversation. He literally said, enough said after that. First of all, I didn't realize that walks and hitting the ball hard were bad. Right. Since when is that a bad thing? <laughs> Since when is learning the skills to be able to do that bad? Yeah, it's like, yeah, here's, they don't teach baseball. Now, I'm going to complain about it by way of these bat-to-ball skill drills. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, why aren't they doing drills about mishits anymore? And even beyond that, I think we, I don't know if we mentioned it in last show or if it happened after that. It but was so long ago. Who I knows? know, who cares? No one knows. Apparently, the gap between Major League Pitching and pitching in the minor leagues, even AAA, is wider than it's ever been in terms of talent. Right. And this is someone, uh, a few managers have said it, but off the top of my head, I can think Buck Showalter, who's Correct. been around the game and, and started in the minors as a ma manager and whatever for fucking like 40 years. Which, brief, brief aside, did you see that post where the guy was like opining for the tougher Yankee managers? <laughs> <laughs> he included Buck Showalter and Joe Torre. Like, like oh God. Well, I, that's uh, on Twitter. He's uh, Johnny Lasagna. I do like Johnny, and I even replied to him. I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is how I know this Yankee season's got you really fucked up. Right, Fuck yeah. show, Walter? <laughs> Joe Torrey was afraid of that's his players. That's what I was cracking up at, man, yeah. So the gap in talent is really, really wide between majors and minor league, which is also proven by the fact that so many players this year have been promoted straight from double A from a lot of different teams. Oh, so yeah. They're just skipping over. The triple A has basically become like a, a stash spot for your 40-man roster, right. and that's really it. In double A, in my opinion, knowing that, it seems like a pretty good indicator of how well a player will be able to hit at the major league level or at least 
an indicator that they may be able to do it if they can identify pitches from double-A pitchers enough to not fucking swing at balls right. and to only swing at pitches that they can square up. I mean, am I wrong in feeling that way? Like, I feel like there's so many ways for this drill to make sense, even in a non-analytic situation, and just say, this is how the sport is. This is what you are supposed to do. And it's also like, what do they think? Like, practice is just like scrimmage game after scrimmage game it's like no you work on different aspects of the game and how do you do that via drills like it's like maybe have like, you ever played an organized sport seriously and this, this sport you do so many fucking drills for specific things and with one specific goal in mind that it's really funny for him to be like they did this one drill and isn't that enough for me to say that it's horrible at this level Someone made the point that apparently, because this guy acted like as if the 2016 to 2018 was pre-analytics for the Yankees. Yeah, you know, the dark ages. Yeah, because analytics didn't exist (laughs) until then. And granted, the Yankees were slow to come around, which is, of course, the irony of all of this, that the Yankees have actually been very slow to come around to analytics. And it's why even from, you know, 2017 to now, things that they did back then compared to now, they wouldn't do. Right. Because they have a more robust analytic department. The numbers that this guy had as a minor leaguer for the Yankees, they were better. He was a better hitter in his mid-analytics year that mm-hmm. he mentioned. And someone brought this up to him. And then he was like, well, that's because, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't do these drills and I wouldn't do that. You're trying to tell me that you were at a fucking minor league practice crossing your arms and being like, no, I'm not doing that. And they were like, oh, okay, sir. And just didn't care. And I can't figure out to this day why they didn't promote me to the big leagues. <laughs> I was looking at his stats like before we started recording, and I noticed that in his best years, where he had also the most played appearances for the Yankees in their minor leagues, he had you know a, a batting average around like two ninety three hundred, uh, a good on base, but his slugging was was down. Right. So it's like okay, man. So you're just kind of mad that the sort of hitter that you were really topping out at in the minors was not someone that they thought would be successful at the pro level. And neither did any like, team because you're man, out of the if fucking if I played league. in the late 70s and early 80s, I'll tell you. <laughs> and you know how many fucking players, minor leaguers, have had decent numbers like that and haven't done shit in right. the major leagues? Like, I don't know. I think it's just be wary, people, of anyone that is trying to fucking cash in on the rage bait for Yankee fans right now because his points didn't make sense. I mean, at the end of one article, he said, and this is a quote from Ben Ruda, that his optimism that they're going to make a slight change for the organization. The Yankees should focus on getting some guys where you can get them on those big league minimum salaries for three years and have an all-star. Then you fill in the rest of those spots with your free agent signings, big money guys, and then you have a stud team like the Braves. Yeah, you know, just... Yeah, it's that simple. Just get those guys that the Yankees are aware of and have been ignoring and everything will fall into place. That's really good advice, Ben Ruta. Why didn't anyone think of that before? They have been trying to get those fucking guys, everybody. And I know know, it sucks, but... I'll tell you, they should really put him in contact with Jerry Reinsdorf because he needs a GM (laughs) and it sounds like this guy knows what he's talking about. (laughs) This is real breaking news, kind of. The White Sox, they fired their president and their GM who were both with the organization for basically like 20 years. And yet the real problem remains. Well, the statement from the team, from Jerry Reinsdorf, he's like, you know, and the old cliche is this, you know, sports are a results-driven business. And it's like, okay, yeah. Known carer of the results, Jerry Reinsdorf. (laughs) That dude has been riding Michael Jordan being good in a different sport for the past 30 years. (laughs) 
as a baseball owner. <laughs> Him thanking the president and the GM for the 2005 World Series was actually kind of funny. <laughs> and it's just like he's so close to just like self-awareness. He's he's right there, but he's not going to get it. And I even hate that I have to say this, but so many Yankee fans, of course, were then trying to like make the the connection like with the Yankees and how long Cashman's been the GM for. And there is a very big difference between these two teams. Sure, they both have the one World Series, but the White Sox haven't done shit literally in the interim. I think they've made like two or three postseason appearances that were like cups of coffee in the postseason. So I get it. World Series is the goal, but there are other goals. And being a fan of other teams, sure, maybe some win a World Series. And yeah, I would love to be an Astros fan, I guess. It's really great now. But it was horrible fucking a decade ago and beyond. And this isn't going to last forever. So I'm not saying that I want the Yankees to just maintain this, but I also don't want them to be a fucking team that is only good for a few years, maybe wins a World Series, maybe not, and then is bad for fucking 15 years. obscurity again, right? See, you can tell that I'm, like, really sick in the head with this shit, is that (laughs) I can't talk about anything else without thinking about how it brings back to the Yankees and then, like, trying to convince myself of things. This reminds me, somebody posted something about how, like, they're noticing, and it's not all Yankee fans, because some Yankee fans are in deep denial, and we've been talking about that, but some of them have taken your route of kind of like accepting it and they're finally starting to be funny about it. And somebody was like, yeah, I never knew that Yankee fans were like funny until they were bad. And it's like, yeah, because they're New Yorkers. Look at Mets fans. We're funny because when a New Yorker is going through bullshit, it's humor. The Yankees haven't been funny for the last 30 years. (laughs) Welcome to the show guys. And what else do we have? Because we don't even have like, eh, whatever, we'll get in by some fucking fucked up wild card. Like don't even have that. No. All no, season, nothing to fall back on. All season, I the season had been having big time 2021 vibes, but now that looks like a fucking championship team in comparison right, to this. Yeah, you would take that. Yeah. Sure, we fucking only made it to that one wildcard game, but at least there was meaningful baseball. So I will say, this is like the first season that I can really remember paying this close attention to the Yankees where this wasn't expected. Like at least 2016, that was expected. For them a, to a only down win. Year. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is awful. And people who say that they'd rather miss the playoffs than go there and have their heart broken, you're fucking crazy. That's bullshit. You're yeah. fucking crazy. The fact that the Yankees have like 40 to, well, they had 50 games. Now we're down to like 40 or 30. Just games that don't actually matter for them is just like, ugh. Mm. I don't know how teams like the fucking Oakland A's do it. How do those guys show up to the ballpark every day? I don't even have to show up to the ballpark. And I'm like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> I'm already empathizing with them. And speaking of empathizing, and that's probably the wrong word because I'm about to talk about the Rays and I don't empathize with them at all. The Rays ace, Shane McClanahan, who was putting together a Cy Young season, is out for the year and for 2024 with Tommy John surgery. This makes... Ray's pitcher number uh, 800 over the last three years, it seems, to just completely fucking turn their arm into roast beef. And then who knows what will happen to them. Like, what the fuck? Everyone talks about how great the Rays are and all their process and all their pitchers. Maybe something is not right here that all Mm. these guys are requiring major surgery during their primes like this. Like, what the fuck? That's... I have nothing to add. It's it's just, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and I would like to say that I fucking called the Rays second half 
all first half. Everyone oh, you was did. Like, you did. That's everyone right. was like, oh, the Rays. Oh, my God. They're amazing. 13 wins in a row. This, that, the other thing. I said, you watch. They are not going to fucking maintain this. They are going to be the 2022 Yankees. Mm. And they Lo basically and are. They're July. They had like a under 400 win percentage for July. That was like the Yankees August last year. So maybe everyone comparing like, oh, we want what the Rays do. And we want this. They may have different ways of getting that 26-man roster, but a lot of the fucking outcomes are almost identical, no matter how these teams right. try to fucking do it. Another situation with the Rays, their star shortstop, Wander Franco, who was having a crazy year, uh, he is suspended indefinitely because the police in the Dominican Republic have had reports from two young girls of him having an inappropriate relationship with them. I'm not saying the term relationship because I think that's what a, a adult man can yeah, have with a girl. It's because I don't know the details of what it in, entails. I don't right. know what the situation is at all. Someone posted things on social media last week uh, showing him with a young girl, and he hasn't been in a game since then, and he's now on the restricted list. So they're investigating. Yeah, it's it's dark. It's baffling. It's... I. Well, what what can you even say, you know? Maybe we'll stop being surprised by these sort of things. Like now every single year there is guys hitting their wives or their girlfriends. There's, you know, a grown man uh, allegedly grooming young girls. And these guys are in positions of power. They have money, they have influence. And it's just that can really hurt a situation in, in this country where men with power, men with money and influence, they can subvert justice because of who they are now imagine that in a country where is much smaller than this one and these guys are the fucking celebrities oh yeah from those oh, countries yeah. so i i really am thinking of the girls involved in this and, and i hope and pray that there's no more and it's just when is this gonna stop man like i if he plays another fucking inning in major league baseball i i don't know what i'm gonna do like i and this isn't about me or about me as a fan or, or the league, but it's just vet these guys better. No one knew I that just, this guy's a fucking scumbag. It's so insane to me that like an institution that's not even technically directly related, like the Hall of Fame can have a character clause, but the actual fucking league can't institute any character, you know, even just some basic level shit, you know, like domestic violence, the shit with Franco. It's like. You can't even weed that out, like the obvious stuff. Uh, that's that's an organizational failure on, on a high level. I mean, obviously the the commissioner the commissioner feels that there's there's enough for him to basically it's it's not it's not a suspension. It's he's on the restricted list, you know, right, whatever administrative leave or whatever. Right. Yeah. So there has to be enough evidence for the commissioner to be able to do that, according you know, as far as a players' association association is concerned. Right. But he's still getting paid. And he still gets to accrue service time during this time. Right. Like, I get, I get it. They have to do an investigation, whatever. But like, just as, as a woman and, and seeing what has happened to other women and who try to come forward about things, like, it is so hard to prove certain things. It's so hard that you, you just feel like you can't win. Like, I'm sorry, where there's fucking smoke, there's fire with a lot of these situations. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah. It's tough to to move on from that topic, how but there's nowhere segue, in the show yeah. to, to you have to talk about it. And it's like, how do you how do we go forward you from here? Can't pretend it's not happening, but yeah, it's at least the fucking Orioles. And I, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're in last place, so fuck it. 
<laughs> At least the fucking Orioles took over and are now in first place, and the Rays fucking better than the Rays, right? right? Yeah. Because at least the loser Rays, they couldn't even hold on to first. Last year, the loser Yankees, they were able to hold on to first place. It would be so fucking funny. And I, I, I should admit, full disclosure, assuming that the Mets don't do anything, I am fully in on the Orioles train for the postseason. How fucking funny would it be if this, you know, model organization, the Rays, year in and out, and then the O's, just the first year they're good, win it all. I would, I'm telling you, man, I know divisionally that would be annoying for you. That would, that would just be so sweet. I don't know. It honestly, it kind of would be because the Orioles have been bad for so long. Literally, they tanked for basically 15 years straight to get this team and they to get to this to moment. The point where it's like, aren't you guys supposed to be good now for a while? Like you tanked for 10 years. No, let's do another 10, though. They well, I will, listen. I guess I will have to. I mean, I absolutely do not have to give it to them, but you I'm going do not. to. Even the the Manny Machado and I think it was a uh, Dylan Bundy was. Two of their of their top six draft picks from when they tanked in the early two thousands, or the, like the late aughts, right. they tanked and they drafted Manny like fourth pick and this other guy third pick, and they were kind of good for a sliver of time there. Oh, when, when uh, like when Showalter was there, they had yeah. a good year or two, like twenty sixteen or whatever. They made the that playoffs was. one of those years. Yeah, I think, they right? went to wildcard game. Yeah, that's right. They then traded those guys for players that are contributing on this team now. So right. this is something that's been literally like 15 years in the making. I just love that like <laughs> that like super super tank where it's like you got some prospects, you got fucking Manny Machado and they're like no, more. Yeah. <laughs> Deeper yeah, tanking. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, I mean <laughs> we'll see how long the Orioles can sustain this because the owner is already basically telling the fans Brace yourselves because we're not going to pay these guys. So we're going to suck again in a few years. <laughs> they haven't even finished this season. <laughs> like when was the last time the Orioles had a team that was in first place for this long? And now Angelos is already like, hey, I don't know if we'll be able to s- compete with those contracts. You know, He's we'll already to- sweating. He literally was like, we're going to have to jack up prices. Bro, you're a billionaire. And you're a billionaire because you were just lucky enough to be born to the family his dad is the one who fucking bought the team oh yeah that's right this guy's sitting there in a three thousand dollar blazer and like a chair in an interview like hey we're gonna have to jack up prices everybody (laughs) for guys that have uh, a month of service everyone's really gonna have to buckle down here in camden yards (laughs) the orioles have gained like a billion dollars in valuation in the last like 15 years in that time that they tanked they have somehow gone up a billion dollars in value, <laughs> but they can't afford these guys no, already. No. It's so bad. They saved on payroll for all of those years. Right. And they're about to rake in all of the fucking gate concession. They're going to get a piece of the postseason money. All the things that come with having a good team that still has a very low payroll. Right. And he's still already saying that he can't afford to pay these guys. Where is that money going then, John? That's such like a say it in the off season, man. If you got to say it, it's like the mid season thing. Like, what are you trying to bury it? Like, we're not going to notice it in the middle of the season. And even that idiot Jerry Reinsdorf. Apparently, there's rumblings of him wanting to move the team to Nashville. The Chicago, the Chicago White, White Sox. Sox, an iconic MLB franchise. The A's, like, how is MLB going to allow the A's, let alone both of these teams that? have had every advantage that they've squandered everything. They've purposely been bad. They don't care. 
they're going to gift them with a brand new it's stadium. A, it's a reward. It's insane. In a fucking tourist attraction city. Both of them. It, it is a reward, though, if you think it about is. it. Because like, even, even if they don't do anything to the team, the novelty of the new team, they'll put butts in the seats for the first couple of years, even if they're fucking dog shit. Oh, yeah. Just a brand that, new stadium. Right. The novelty wears off and suddenly it's back to business as usual and they suck year in and year out. And it's... Why do we move in the first place? Now, now nobody's going to go to Vegas and nobody's going to go to Nashville. Just wash, rinse, repeat. Tale is old as time. They'll get the all-star game too in the new Oh, they'll stadium. get the all-star. Yep, yep. They get, get catapulted to the top of the that, list. Right. The White Sox have been around for 120 seasons or something like that. They've been to the postseason 11 times. <sighs> 11. <laughs> now, Yankee fans, maybe put on earmuffs. That's a sort of perspective that brings me back. And I'm not saying I fucking don't care about winning a World Series. Obviously, I want to. But 11 postseason appearances. They're in a major market. They are one of the oldest teams. They've been to the postseason 11 times in 120 years. That is so fucking bad. I can't believe that this league allows this kind of shit to go down. It's insane to me. Well, it's poorly run. I mean, <laughs> you know, like the commissioner sucks. Like it's, it's, it's as... It's as bad as it is not surprising. You know what I mean? It's like it's par for the course. It really is. It's just all we're now we're going to go back into repeats talking about like it's all about money. It's about the owners. It's not, you know, I know because it's like where the does things it end? that should count aren't what count. Right. There's no bottom. There is no bottom. No, because even like Jeff Passon, I think, was on the Michael K show and he was talking about obviously the Yankees. And one of the comments he made was of 15 years of like poor draft picks, which on one hand, he's not wrong. And granted, I didn't listen to the show, so I only saw, like, the quote. Right. But it's when it gets down to anything beyond the top six picks, like, a lot of it is a crapshoot. Like, sure, are there lower picks that have performed better than Gary Sanchez, who, not the best example, he wasn't part of the amateur draft, but you guys get my meaning. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Can you really predict that? Could the team that even drafted some of those guys predict that? I don't think so. I think that that can be how random it is sometimes, the player development. But... How do teams like the Yankees, how do teams really avoid that? They can't tank. Those days are over. Like, I don't even know how to fix that because spending money is the answer and they're not going to do it. So I know that that seems really bleak, relatively speaking. I think there's also, we were talking about this yesterday. I think some fans kind of confuse their various sports in their head a little bit. You know, like when we talk about tanking, I I mean, you know, from what well, we... <laughs> We're not going to hit the theme music yet because it's still preseason. But you guys know I'm a big football fan too. Um, I'm like, don't you? And I just, I'm just brought back to like, like with football tanking. When like inevitably, when you're talking about like the top couple picks, they're going to be quarterbacks, right? And a quarterback is a unique thing where that can turn your entire franchise around. You know, look at potentially the Jets got Aaron Rodgers. Everything, the whole conversation is different now. There's no equivalent to the quarterback in baseball. Right. So you can't tank for one year. I don't care who the fuck you draft. You're not making that big of a difference. So when you're talking about tanking in baseball, you're talking like you were saying with the Orioles, you're talking minimum five years, if not upwards of a decade, if you want to give yourself an actual shot. And do fans really want that? Or they just want the idea of like, oh, well, the tank is, you know, the tank is how it happens. You know, we got a tank. You don't want to live through the tank. And teams like the Yankees and even the Mets to an extent really can't tank. No, literally can't you know, tank. So the fans are asking for something that they necessarily can't have from these huge teams. So like what you're stuck. Right. And rebuilding. Yeah. The Yankees, this turned into a rebuilding year, but this is what rebuilding looks like. Just promoting 
prospects that are ready right. to be promoted that you're going to lose in the Rule 5 draft, so you might as well promote them. Like, everyone was all excited about uh, Jason Dominguez. He was also promoted, but from AA, mm-hmm. AAA. And that's because he's Rule 5 eligible. If they didn't put him on the 40-man, he would be able to be fucking drafted by another team. Right. So they had to. So, like, this is the rebuild. This is it. Are we having fun? And <laughs> are we prepared for the offseason where we're clearly leaning into the prospects for them to not really do much and to hope that whatever this small sample size turns out to be for these guys, whether they have a great 40 games like Oswaldo Cabrera had last year, which was right. a house of cards, or they don't play well, we're hoping that they can either repeat it or have a better year next year. That's it. And I guess this is what everybody wanted, right? Like, Because there's no other option beyond the free agent market that doesn't have any big splashes this offseason. You get what you ask for sometimes, you know? I mean, I'll tell you what, like it, it only being August, most of the divisions are kind of boring at this point. Orioles running away with it. Braves are running away with it. The central divisions don't exist. Um, the Dodgers are running away with it. The only one that's still kind of interesting besides the wild card races is the AL West. Is finally interesting heating again up. after a few years. It is fucking heating up for sure. The ra- the Rangers have not been playing well as of late. They've lost like their last fucking seven out of ten games or something crazy. Right. The Astros, fortunately for the Rangers, have not really been playing well. They've been up and down, but they're right there, I think a game and a half back. And now the Mariners came out of nowhere. I thought they were done. I had written them off like a week ago. Yeah, they were like seven, eight games out very shortly ago. Yeah. And then they went on a tear, and now they're only like two and a half games out. Like, it's getting very I mean, fucking close. And the, the microcosm of that was uh, Julio Rodriguez set the MLB record. 17 hits. 17 hits in four games. I personally Crazy. take offense to that because the Yankees, <laughs> as a team, in that same four-game stretch, got like two hits. Right. So, like, fuck you, Julio. That's just selfish. You could have spread... Give us a few of those. Um, but... And then it's funny because we're talking about those three teams and then the Angels are going like, oh, you know, no, we're going to go for it and then have not started winning. So that kind of backfired. Yeah, like Lucas Giolito, they got him. He's been shitty. Like all these moves. And you know what? That's baseball, right? You that's know it. that. And that's what happens when the team doesn't really have a great process and they don't really have great development or coaching. You hope that the guys that you get at the deadline are able to come here like that you can use them right out of the box, but sometimes it's not the case. Like, look at the Dodgers traded for Lance Lynn at the deadline. Mm-hmm. He was not having a great year in Chicago, and he's now fucking doing great yeah. in the Dodgers, and he, like, looks happier. He almost looks unrecognizable in pictures because I've never seen his face look that way, and it's because he's smiling and it's stuff. It's that California son. Right, and he even said that, he was like, everything is different here. Like, the coaches are different, and the expectations are different. There's been a lot of chirping out of White Sox players that uh, escaped at the trade deadline. Oh, okay. Talking about just how there's no rules, there's nothing. And sure, I guess on one hand, that sounds good to some people if you're 13 years old. But, like, there has to be... Yeah, who wouldn't want expect- to play for the White Sox? <laughs> yeah. What's his face? Kenyon Middleton. He said that, like, you know, people can just show up late or not come to team meetings, and there's no repercussions, Ooh. there's nothing. So, like, yeah, of course, these teams that on paper should be good, have been the definition of mid 500 even for like the past couple of years because no one is running the fucking ship. Tony Russo, all that bullshit about, oh, he's a great manager, World Series manager. Guess not, folks. I particularly love it when something that happens to a player, like we were just talking about with J-Rod, is like a microcosm of what's happening to the team. 
Tim Anderson <laughs> getting knocked the fuck out was just the most <laughs> the most White Sox thing that could happen this year. <laughs> and like that fight in particular, he like gets right squares up and he's doing like a hair. Let's go, like, see? Yeah, yeah. And then. <laughs> Ramirez is literally just has his head down, eyes closed, and is swinging his arms back and forth, and just fucking clocked him in the side of the face. <laughs> oh, it was so one funny. of the best baseball fights of all time. Honestly, I, that was a that was a shot, man. He <laughs> Anderson just dropped like a bag of bricks. I love how the Central Division is like, fuck it, we got to put on a show for these. That, people. That's the most interesting thing about the Central Division. <laughs> and I will say for the AL West, I'm really happy that teams like the Rangers and the Mariners are turning into baseball towns and getting their fans, you know, invigorated or reinvigorated, whatever you want to call it. Right. People are showing up to the ballpark because when you win, people come. It's fun. And not to be a fucking, not to be like a Debbie Downer. But here goes. Or a gatekeeper, but I am about to be a gatekeeper. The Rangers fans have taken one of the sections, I think it's like they're in right center field or mm. something. They've taken to doing a roll call for their team when they're in the field <laughs> in the first inning. Now, I'm sure some of you listening may think that that sounds familiar to you Mm -hmm. because the fucking Yankee fans in the right field bleachers have been doing that for like 20 years now. It's not that only the Yankee fans can do that. Like, whatever. People want to do that. It's fun. Sure. Go for it. The media has been treating it like as if it's some fucking invention. They're like the Thomas Edison of roll calls. They're like, oh, look at this thing he's invented. Like, this is amazing. But it turns out it was someone else's idea and they've been doing it for a long time. And now they just come in and it's like, wow. Tesla was there doing the roll call the whole time. <laughs> yes. It's like people are like, this is incredible. What a great team unity and fan unity. It's like, shut the fuck up, okay? I just think it's cute that these Rangers fans don't realize it's like, oh, you guys finally have enough people in the stands to do a roll call this year? That's fun. Okay, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did get their comeuppance almost right away because they have Roldis Chapman on their team. Oh, right. They were all very excited about that acquisition because, you know, he seemingly got it back when he left the Yankees, went to the Royals, been throwing gas again. Right. Watching him blow games, and especially <laughs> now down this stretch where they need these wins... Oh, man, there's nothing like Cathartic. it. Cathartic, yeah. I understand why other fans who watch the Yankees and watch Chapman blow games for them, especially in the postseason, that feeling, that like warm feeling that just washes over you, like, wow, that was fucking great. It's like when, um, and it's always sunny when Frank is watching Max Interpretive Dance. He's just like, oh, my God. I get it. Oh, my God. I get it now. And on that note, let's get right into the voicemails. Our first voicemail is from Diego. Hi, Emily. Hey, John. Uh, it's Diego calling again. Diego Ornelas on or Twitter, X, whatever it's called. Uh, the Padres, yeah. Um, right now, they are pretty much hanging by a thread. I know you guys thought they'll be okay. Well, they're not okay. They'll have one meeting one day, score 10 runs the next game, fail to score more than five combined in the next two. That series against Arizona was brutal. We should have at least split, but we lost three or four. And in terms of the quote-unquote Hurricane Hillary, it wasn't really that bad in San Diego, but I will say it was bad enough to where us delivery drivers had to get off the road. That was not, And, of course, there were certain parts of San Diego, like Mission Valley, where it totally flooded, and Teslas will drive through it thinking they can walk on water. But anyways, uh, at this point, the Padres season is mentally done, but the lady hasn't sung yet. Anyway, thank you for taking my call. I uh, hope to hear from you guys soon. Thanks, bye. The Padres are a particularly painful case because 
at least with the Yankees and now with the Mets, like their expected win loss percentage, which is based on the run scored and runs against, is basically on par. With we are their exactly record is. as bad as we're supposed to be. Thank you very much. <laughs> there, there's something comforting about that, right? <laughs> And I, for one, take comfort in that. If you look at basically all of like the top five wild card teams in the National League, the three that have a wild card, and then the ones like just under it that are vying for it, their fucking expected win loss is so out of whack with their actual records. Yeah. And the Padres are one of them. They they should have like they should be like six games over five hundred or something like that, but they're not. Yeah, like four or five games under instead. And I was trying to make sense of it last night, looking at their uh, on Baseball Reference at their schedule, and you can see the score of every game, how and the result. And I, I still couldn't. And I guess there's there are things that make sense, like you know they would score, they'd beat the Nationals ten to one, and then they would lose the next night like seven two, and then the, so they're just like ping ponging back and forth where they're scoring a shitload of runs, or then getting outscored by a shitload of runs, and it's just I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Honestly, I, I have no idea. And I have no sympathy for it. I know. It, it just, if there, if, <laughs> I know it sucks. But. If anything, it just like pisses me off because the Dodgers have been like, oh, the Dodgers, the model organization. Like, how come they can? My boss even asked me, who doesn't give a shit about baseball except to just bust my balls about something. He's like, let me ask you something. You're a baseball person. And I was like, yes. I, why, yes, I am. Guilty. It's like, how come the Astros and the Dodgers are good every year, but the Mets and the Yankees stink? And it's like, well, I, you are certainly not going to pay attention to me for long enough to explain <laughs> yeah, this how one. How much time you got? <laughs> the Dodgers have, fu- and not that the Dodgers haven't had great teams, they have. But the fucking NL West has been a joke for a very long time. And when the Giants were good, the Dodgers weren't very good. Right. So like now they were starting to have a little bit of competition. The Padres are supposed to be there. The Diamondbacks are doing a little something. But of course, then the Padres just have an inexplicably shitty just, year, yeah. despite having a great roster, and <laughs> it's really fucking frustrating as a non-Padres fan, so I can only imagine how it feels <laughs> right, to be yeah, a Diego. Maddening. <laughs> Thank you so much for your call, and I'm glad that you guys are all safe out there on the uh, West Coast with your, what was this, their first hurricane? I believe uh, it was the first hurricane in like 80 some odd years. Like something That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Our next voicemail is from Block. <clears throat> Judge. I'd like to address the controversy of everybody smiling in the dugout last night and how that doesn't reflect a winning attitude. Look, Giancarlo farted, and oh, these are high times for blocking. Team, how are we doing? Huh? Everything's gone to shit for the Yankees. Everything. I mean, it's it's like a dream. Like, this is like 2004, but, like, somehow better because I get to read all the whining and bitching of Yankee Twitter every fucking day, all day, just the catastrophic whining. Oh, God bless your program. God bless this podcast. And God bless the Yankee fans. They're you're you bring me such great joy. I don't care that the Red Sox are damn near and last. The Yankee suffering is worth it. Smooches. I, for one, think that it's kind of a sign that we've made it that Aaron Judge is now a regular caller into our show. <laughs> right? And I'm trying to think of the positives. Not only a regular caller, but calling to explain himself. 
and situations that have gone ha- happened in the I dugout. I like that when he calls, he's just himself. It's not that fake voice that he puts on for the media. This is how Aaron Judge really sounds. <laughs> Struggling to breathe for some reason. <laughs> 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 just sounding like fucking sloth from uh, the Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> kind of looks like sloth, too. Sorry, I'll see myself out. I can't even really say anything because the Yankees are in last place. And yeah, the Red Sox are in fourth place. This is a real battle of not even mid. This is just like a pathetic battle to the bottom. What can you even say to a true hater that will admit that he is happy with the Yankees losing? He doesn't care that his team sucks because the Yankees suck. I can't, you can't, you know, what can you do with that? All I can say is that I'm actually finding some solace in it because all of the years of futility, the Red Sox had 86 years without a title while the Yankees won like fucking 20. They went as long without a world series title as California went without a hurricane. It instilled such intense and high grades of little brother syndrome that Red Sox fans are taking more joy in the 2023 Yankees than they did in the 2004 Red Sox who won a world series for the first time in 86 years. Like I, that's my silver lining this year. That's right. it. That's all I got. <laughs> Especially after this past weekend where they got fucking swept at Yankee Stadium by the Red Sox. I had Yankee fans being like, the Red Sox are a good team. A good team in comparison to who? The Yankees? The Yankees this year, maybe. but like, So are fucking 10 other, 15 right, other teams. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Block? I, God damn it. I can't even say anything back. This is really, this is some bullshit. Because he's right. We should have cut this voicemail. Should not have had it on the show. <laughs> Diego's was good. We could have just let that stand alone. I had to, you know, grin and bear it. And now that we're fucking recording and push comes to shove, I'm really regretting it. God. Well, listen, you, you want to end on a couple higher notes? Yes. Okay. So one higher note that I have is uh, I'm excited because I'm going to the Mets game on Friday and the Angels are in town. So I get to see Shohei Otani play baseball in person. So that I'm is pretty exciting. excited for that. And I'll say this, Rob Manfred, if you're listening, and I know you are, um, <laughs> it's proof positive because my, my little sister is now obsessed with Shohei Otani, and she organized this. She wanted to go so badly. The trick to saving the game is you need more superstar, attractive Asian players in the game. It's the only way. Yes, we need more once-in-a-century talents in this league. That's. I mean, they, they can't find another once-in-a-century talent. Are you kidding me? I don't believe it. I have one other feel-good thing. Oh, yes, please. As, uh, as Long Islanders... Just to be proud of this, Massapequa, which those of you from out of state is a town on Long Island, not too far from us, won the Little League World Series uh, softball championship. It's the first team from New York to ever do it. Some local kids. So that's uh, they're doing better than the Yankees. So I thought you might want to end on that note instead. And the boys team from Massapequa went pretty far, too. They came one game short of going to Williamsport, I believe was what I read. And you know what? I have my own heartbreaking one game away from the World Series, William Sports story that I'll save for another week in the coming weeks because we're at the end of the show. So I'm not going to get into that heartbreak now after John just lifted us up with that. I'm trying over here. That about wraps it up for Breaking Balls this week. We want to thank our callers and, of course, our listeners. Anyone else listening wants to get in on the fun, feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. You can also find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. And we want to thank our amazing producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well, at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week.